This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Back in the saddle. Yes. That's a Mallory reference because Mallory loves to ride horses. She didn't ride any horses in this book. It was a Mallory book this week, Baby Nation. Yeah, it was a Mallory book. We liked it. She didn't ride any horses, but she rode on the coattails of famed author Henrietta Hayes. Am I right? (laughs) I guess so. I love that we're getting right into it, Tanner, but I have a fucking ton of housekeeping. Oh, do you? That I want to do right up front. Okay. I feel like first maybe I should introduce this podcast here. Whatever. Whatever. That's the way, if, that, if that's the way you want to do it, that's the way you want to do it, man. I'm not here to boss you around. I'm not here to tell you what to do. Okay, great. Well, in that case, I'm going to. Hi, hi. And welcome, hi. To, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club, Club Club, a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard. And I'm Tanner Greenring. Talk about the <laughs> I novels can't, I, of... I, I, I can't continue Princeton the sentence. Zone. I can't continue the, the sentence. No, it's got a syntax error. Can't, can't let's take another run at it. A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of the Princess of the Prince of Towns, the Princess Primark. of the Prince of Towns, Primark, Primark. Of the Prince Primark. Of towns. She wait, what is she now? The Primark of the Prince of Towns. That doesn't have the same ring to it. It has Let a me better ring to it. <laughs> The princess, the Primark of the Prince of Towns. Prince of Towns, yes. Princess Annabelle Matthews Martin, first of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind, author of the great Sitter's Cycle. Uh, In this podcast, we read every single book in that Sitter's Cycle in chronological order, week by week. Except for the mystery books and the super specials and the California Diaries. And uh, uh, Little Sister and uh, the kids of Miss Coleman's class. Right. Uh, we read the and, primary texts and the super special mysteries. Do all biblical scholars read the Dead Sea Scrolls? I didn't think so. Yeah, I think they definitely do. Oh, this week, Baby Nation, we read a book called Mallory Pike, number one fan. Yep, kind of an autobiographical novel from Oh Suzanne from Suzanne. Anne. That's a very right. good point. Uh, a couple of Waniacs here. I'm a Suzanne man. I'm a Waniac. Um, we both love uh, Suzanne Wayne, uh, but uh, we know who you are, Suze Ann. This week, Suzanne was true to form and uh, wrote a book about a famous children's author, Suzanne in the Membwain. <laughs> Suzanne in the Membwain. Suzanne in the Mem in the Membwain. <laughs> Look, man, I'm totally on board with it. Yeah. <laughs> Suzanne in the membrane. Suzanne in the brain. <laughs> uh, but like I said, Tanner, we got a lot of housekeeping I want to do up front before we dive into it. Fine. I'm happy to. Okay, good. Don't act so combative about it. This is something Not. we both do. To- okay, all right. Do it. Tanner, have you seen the the emails I received from Baby B Veronica and Baby B Rebecca alerting us to a article in the failing new york times you absolutely know that i have not <laughs> dated august 31st uh by like a month a ago writer named anary patani 
in okay. her trilobites column. Hey, New York Times, if you're wondering why you're failing, it maybe because <laughs> you have a trilobites. <laughs> yeah, you have a regular trilobites column. <laughs> Actually, New York Times is doing great. <laughs> yeah, I subscribe. Do you? Um, I do, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. I subscribe to the crosswords on my phone. Okay, cool. Um, I only do cryptic crosswords uh, in British newspapers. Ugh, fucking insufferable. <laughs> here is the article that Baby Bee, Baby Bee Veronica and Baby Bee Rebecca alerted us to um, a few weeks ago now. It was entitled, The Secret Ingredient That Stops Honeybees from Becoming Queens. Yes. Queen. Okay, great. Can I read to you from this article, Tanner? Yep. In a paper published Thursday in PLOS Genetics, researchers found specific molecules in the pollen and honey mixture that honeybee larvae feed on cause physical changes that determine whether females develop into long-living reproductive queens or the mostly yes. sterile workers that <laughs> I don't we don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> From the Queenut Gallery. I can't not now. <laughs> I'm going to warn you now. Okay, fine. Whether females develop into long-living reproductive queens... Yes. <laughs> ...or the mostly sterile workers that nourish larvae and collect food. Researchers have long known that these differences are not determined at birth, but rather are a product of diet. Larvae that eat royal jelly, a substance secreted by the glands of nurse bees, develop into queens, while yes. those that feed... Okay, fine. <laughs> this is the important point, <laughs> and it doesn't have the word in it. While those that feed on a combination of pollen and honey called bee bread... Oh, yes! ...become workers. No, I know. I know about this. It's part of my... <laughs> It's one of the, the many dots to be connected that have been connected. <laughs> well, I wish you could have alerted us to this earlier, Tanner. It seems like a pretty f key point. Listen, uh, it, would take, it would take decades for Baby Nation and you, Jack, to sift <laughs> through the notes I've compiled on bread theory. Wow. Well, this blows the lid right off of it. Yeah. Bee theory and bread theory are connected. They're oh, yeah. They were connected from the beginning. They're all connected, Jack. Okay. Well, Primark Ann is sitting up in the in in Asgard, looking over the elemental planes. <laughs> yeah, and and every now and then the B plane will intersect with the bread plane. Yeah, and I guess Primark Ann is just like when she like catches like some audio signals from this podcast. If she cares to think about it at all, she'll just say like, "Why are they calling B theory bread theory and bread theory B theory?" Right. Yeah. Like exactly. it's just theory. It's just theory. Right? It just is. It is. <laughs> well, thank you, Baby B, Veronica, and Baby B, Rebecca, for alerting us to that. Um, I'm not, we've got a lot to talk about, uh, a couple of waniacs here, so I don't want to get too much into this, but I do want to point out as a final piece of housekeeping that Baby B Ashley tweeted at us this week a fact which I have somehow failed to research, which is that sweet Pete Larangis wrote a novel series about seven magical orbs. I know. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> because I feel like we made that happen. I feel like we... Every now and then, like I yeah. feel like we're living in the Truman Show, and we just say things, and then all of a sudden they're real. Yeah. Yeah. And it scares me a little bit. Yeah, she's tweeted this uh, picture of uh, Pete Larangis' 
best-selling novel, The Legend of the Rift, which is a uh, gentleman standing in front of a giant purple monster holding right. up an orb to protect right. himself. I feel um, like if we, I think you should read these books, and I don't, oh, know, I don't know how definitely. or wh- what format that would take. Yeah, maybe if we ever do a live show, we could just read uh, Pete Larangis's engaging and thrilling adult novel fantasy books, the Seven Wonders series. It's a high octane mix of modern adventure and ancient secrets. It's a lot like sorry, our I said podcast. adult novel, which makes it sound like a porn thing. I meant young. <laughs> I meant young adult novel. <laughs> There's something for everybody. Um, well, I'm delighted that we were able to get all of that housekeeping out of the way, Tanner. Basically, when you're delighted, involved. Jack, I'm delighted. Okay. Correlation does not necessarily imply causation. But it doesn't necessarily not imply it. All right. And in this David case, Hume. it does. <laughs> that was a David Hume joke. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, okay. I'm um, a real Hume head. <laughs> Uh, Doesn't David Hume write for the um, classics of philosophy? Classics of philosophy, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He certainly, certainly did. I really um, enjoy reading his writing in in great, great Scottish philosophers. Scottish philosophers. <laughs> the periodical, yeah, yeah. Um, I have bad news for you, Tanner. What are you sitting down? Yeah. Uh, David Hume is, is dead. What? He died. When? Um, I'm going to say, uh, 19th century. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really sorry, dude. <laughs> um, 18th century. I don't think we can, I'm going to have to stop recording. He died in 1776. Oh, he died and America became a nation. <laughs> well... He died and he was reincarnated as the American nation. Yeah. You can't uh, build a nation without killing a few Scottish philosophers. Scottish philosophers. That's what they say. Hey, we've really gotten off track here. Haven't we? Yeah. What about... um, I got an idea, my man. I'm listening. What about if we describe this novel that we read? I am okay with that. Okay. I'm fine with that, actually. I was trying to think if there's anything I want to distract you with. Uh, as long as it's relevant to this te- text, I'm all totally on board with it. Nope, I don't think so. Great, man. This is good. This is going so well. I'm just well. really looking forward to a straightforward uh, record this week. Great. I'm loving it. Suzanne Wayne really knocks it out of the park again. You tweeted from your personal account at ex-president on Twitter that you, that you tweeted a Slack conversation we had where I said Mallory books are boring. Mm-hmm. But I had only read the first 20 or so pages of the book at that point. Here's what you said, Baby Nation, in case you didn't see this tweet. He didn't just say Mallory books are boring. He said, Mallory, clap hands, is, clap hands, a, clap hands, snooze, snooze clap, hands. clap hands. And I, I stand by that, actually. <laughs> um, Mallory is kind of bad and dumb at this point. She was bad and dumb in this book. She she handles herself in a very strange way and And she's like willfully like ignorant and like belligerent. Yeah. Um, but this was a good book. It was a great book. And like Suzanne and Ann sorry, Suzanne. Yeah. Knocked it out of the park this week and it felt very intimate. Yeah. Oh, it was very intimate. This, I Suzanne revealed to us more about her 
thinking and her psychology and her relationship to her own fame and to her own status as the primarch of these lives that she's created than yeah. we have ever seen before. Right. She she it's weird because she wrote a how to stock an M. Martin guide. Yeah. Very like interesting. She, she wrote a book begging her young fans yeah. to to stalk her and pursue her. Yeah. It was very interesting. I the I, I, I want to delve a lot more into that psychology. I feel like we owe the Baby Nation a description of this novel uh, before we do that. Um, yep. And Baby Nation, uh, Tannister always pays his debts. I like that. And we're going to give you two descriptions of this novel. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones lately. I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked it. It sounded good. <laughs> it felt good. <laughs> um, but I'm going to describe the novel, and then Tanner's going to describe the novel. That's what's going to happen. Right. Good. I would like to begin describing this novel right now. Henrietta Hayes has it all. She's a world-famous children's author who's been written up in People magazine. She's negotiating the film rights for her hit series. And she's just settled down in a beautiful house by herself in the quiet, sleepy town of Stony Brook, Connecticut, to get to work in earnest on the next book in her series. And when Mallory Pike, a local who identifies herself as Henrietta's biggest fan, shows up at her door unannounced, Henrietta thinks she's found the perfect assistant. But as work on the novel progresses, Mallory's interest in her idol starts to take on a different tone. Jealous at times. At times, almost angry. At times, almost as if Mallory feels like she could be living Henrietta's life a good deal better than Henrietta herself. And how is it that Mallory seems to know so very much about Henrietta's troubled past? Henrietta Hayes has it all. And Mallory Pike wants it all. Mallory Pike, number one fan. Tanner, I've finished describing the novel now. Yep, yep. I loved it. Great, thank you. Appreciate it. Always appreciate your words of encouragement. Um, This takes a lot of work, and my only reward is your encouragement so again thank you you're welcome you're uh, how i am currently very honed in here on tbh are you on tbh no uh somebody um our mutual colleague sent a sent me a text yeah like i assumed it was a phishing attempt no 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 trying to hack into my my social no i mean it's all it's the app that all the cool teens are using right now Uh do you know like superlatives from high school like most likely to yeah yeah it's that except it's an app so you connect all your friends and it serves you a question like the one i'm doing right now is we'll have no trouble finding a date next weekend oh and you choose them oh i want to be on that and you choose from your list of friends. Oh, I sh- very much. Can you? I let's be on it together. Yeah. And this is just this is just all I do now. That's great. Do you want to okay. see my tops? Do you want to see my tops? No, not at all. Yes, actually, I do. Kind of C- constant source of entertainment. S- stupid boy, you crazy. Most likely to be a leader of our hometown. I don't really get that one, but well, people keep picking it for me. Who's us? 
Oh, like if we if us? we all well are in this case. I guess if we all happen to be from the same hometown, and you would be the leader of it, I wouldn't. I think so. I think I was just elected leader. I wouldn't elect you. Well, you're in the vast minority. Apparently, Jesus. Do you? I don't think you even want the job. There's a lot of like administrative bullshit. That here's the thing. Here's that. the thing. I definitely don't want to do any of the administrative bullshit, but I'm very attracted to the power. Yeah, I understand that. Here's the thing that I would say if I were running against you for leader of our hometown. Yeah. What I would say is, hey, everybody, remember when you all agreed that the best way to describe this man is, boy, you crazy. Right. Do you really want this person like in charge of your health care? I think so. <laughs> I think um, the American nation proved that last November. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. That's true. Now let's have you describe this novel now, Tanner. <laughs> Tanner, um, okay. what I would like for you to do right now is to describe this novel. Um, here's what I'm going to do, Tanner. I've got 60 seconds uh, set up on this big bad clock, and I'm going to hit start on that big bad clock right now. I did it. I hit start. I want you to describe this novel. Five seconds. Great. Passed. Um, this is a book about Mallory Pike. She has a assignment at school where she needs to write a piece of writing. Uh, she decides to write a play because her favorite author, Henrietta Hayes, uh, wrote plays. Uh, she and and sh- she can work with the We Heart Kids Club. No, what are they called? The Kids First Association. I don't know. It's the like kids club that Becca and, and Charlotte belong to where they do service stuff. She writes a play. It's about the Spike family and Valerie Spike, who's always constantly being um, interrupted by her family. Uh, she goes and meets Henrietta Hayes, who happens to live in Stony Brook, uh, and she um, uh, gets advice from her and writes a report on her and does the play, and all the kids do the play, and it's really good. Uh, or sorry, it's really bad, and um, the Pike kids catch wind of it and they hate it because it's all it's very um, defamatory. Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> it was a dense. It was a dense text. It was a dense text this week. Wow. Baby Nation, that's not really what this book is about. Kinda. (laughs) Henrietta Hayes moves into town. Mallory Pike is her number one No, she's lived there. She's lived there forever. We don't know how long she's lived in Stony Brook, but she is a world-famous children's author. As part of Mallory's project, Mallory decides that she's going to interview Henrietta Hayes about the writing process. So initially, Mallory just wants to write a play. Right. Starring children. Yes. Because she figures working with children will help her children's book writing career. Mm-hmm. But her teacher says, Mallory, this is lazy, shoddy work, and you need to do better. Right. So she promises her teacher that she will get an interview with Henrietta Hayes, her favorite children's author. And lo and behold, after multiple attempts to reach her and only getting form letters back, she eventually just goes and knocks on her door. Henrietta she Hayes her. welcomes her with open arms, even hires her as an assistant, solicits ideas from her uh, for her next book. And then when Mallory discovers Henrietta Hayes's troubled past and particularly discovers that Henrietta Hayes's Novels about a girl with a happy childhood are not from her own true life. 
Right. This is an obsession of Mallory's. She reads a quote, Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. That like all art needs to be true and real and raw. Right. And she becomes obsessed with it. And she she writes a letter to Henrietta saying you're not real, you're fake news. Um Yeah. Well, I I I can't in good conscience be your assistant anymore and then proceeds to uh follow her rigid goals of writing a play that is utterly true to her own life, uh thereby alienating her family in the process. This is this is a question that Anne is asking us to engage with, and it is right. the question of authorship and authenticity. Anne has written – Anne or Suzanne, and Tanner and I, if you listen to our, our other podcast about Suzanne Wayne, uh, Babysitter's Club ghostwriter, are forming a theory that Anne and Suzanne may be one and the same person. Right. Yes, exactly. So, Suzanne mm-hmm. – I think we should – yeah. Let's, let's not – Let's stop conflating them. Let's let's treat them as one thing now yeah. because I think we've blown the lid wide off that. Yeah. Suze Ann has written a novel about an author who meets her fans and struggles with her authenticity as a writer. What is Suzanne trying to tell us about herself? This is an autobiography in some ways, right? Except it, it sends mixed messages because what it's saying is like, listen, I'm struggling. Right. I'm I'm having trouble keeping up. I'm sending a message to you, my fans, that I'm having trouble corresponding with all of you. Right. But if you seek me out, if you pursue me, if you find me, I will reward you. Right. Because that's what that's what Henrietta Hayes does. She right. does the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do with the stalker, and she like engages and invites. Well, she. So I wonder if this is like my question here. Is is this Anne expressing her guilt over the fact that she has over what she has done to these women, to these girls, to Mallory in particular? Mallory, who all she wants in life is to is like Mallory more than any of the other girls who dreams about her future, right? Like one day she right. wants to be a children's author, just like Anne. One day, a couple of years from now, she wants to get earrings, just like uh, like Claudia, a- Anne, just like Anne. I assume. Oh, I assume Anne has like eight ear piercings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wouldn't write that into the books unless she was the prime mark of ear piercings. But she can't do that. And we've talked about this a lot before because Mallory's never going to grow up because Anne has no. made that choice. Right. And in some ways, this is, to me, this is Anne saying, putting herself in this book to talk to Mallory and to us and to us and to justify that. Right. To be there to say, look, I'm going to take this on myself. I'm going to confront you in person. Like, I'm going to be there for you. Um, this is Anne to Mallory and to us. This is Anne to Mallory and to us through Henrietta. Right. This children's, Obviously. this famous children's book author who comes to Stony Brook. Let's, let's cut out the middleman. Yeah. Let's stop saying Henrietta to Mallory. Let's start saying Anne to us. Anne to us. She's trying right. to justify herself, right? She does a poor job of it. Here's what Mallory says at the end of the book. After she's rewritten the play to to be less uh, critical of her family and put it on to mild acclaim from the audience. I looked out across the shiny floor of the stage and thought about everything that had happened. Even though I was still the same age, I felt older, as if the kid part of my life had somehow ended and another part had just begun. It was an exciting feeling, scary but also thrilling. Who knew what big changes were up ahead, waiting for me? 
This to me is ant- like nothing, right? It's she's going to repeat that she's going to go to the Halloween hop again next year. She's going to fucking be on again, off again with Ben Hobart for the rest of her fucking life. She's never going to get her ears pierced. She's always going to be recovering from mono. She's always going to be recovering from mono. But what Anne is saying is like, hey, she feels older, right? <laughs> like right. I, I like through me, through my intervention, through my contact with her, I'm giving her the appearance and the feeling of change and the feeling of experience. Is that is that not enough? Anne, no, it's no. too little, too late, Anne. Yeah, like that. You think that's going to sate us? No, no. We want to see these women grow, and we want to see them mature. We want to see them learn. We've been reading these books for 82 books now. Yeah. And every week we get the same boring Mallory. Yeah. And even though even though Anne sues Anne, yeah. you come at us and you're like, oh, uh, Mallory's matured this week, right? And it's like, no, Mallory was a fucking dinkleberry this week. <laughs> she <laughs> was willfully ignorant. Mallory was at her very worst this week. She was bad. H- Henrietta takes her into her house and like Mallory knocks on the door and she's like, I'm your number one fan. And Henrietta's like, oh, come on in. Right. And then she's like, hey, you want to help me with ideas for my next book? Right. And then like- And be my assistant? Mallory goes to the fucking library, and Claudia Kishi's mother, head librarian, has like a secret archive in the library. I want to talk all about the secret archive. Yeah. Where she's like, all right- Come into the basement. You can't take this right. out with you, but I keep a secret archive. Like she literally in the opens a lockbox yeah. <laughs> and pulls out a file on Henrietta Hayes. It's like local authors. It's not a book. It's just like a file no. on like local celebs and authors. Right. And it's like it's by the like wing of the library where they keep like the ancient artifacts, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where the girls read about like old squeaky nose or whatever rubber, <laughs> rubber nose. nose yeah yeah we need to talk a little bit more about claudia's mom M- mallory's like leafing through henrietta hayes's file and it says like oh there's a whole section here on weaknesses yeah and mi- <laughs> mrs kishi's like don't look at that <laughs> but yeah somehow in an unexplained way mrs kishi ushers mal to like into the basement into this like unused wing of the library where she keeps these files right. she gives her like a candle and it's like yeah. like you can read the file but like you can't take it out of here so like all right. you can take out of here is like your memories and your experience <laughs> <laughs> and she's like reading the file she reads some stuff that's just like biographical just like oh like she was born here like you know, she moved here she has a movie deal for her book and then fi- she finds like the thing Thin sheaf of paper at the bottom that's like Henrietta Hayes' early childhood and like reads about how it's obviously hand scrawled by yeah. Mrs. Keish. Yeah. <laughs> reads about how like her fucking house burned down. As as a child, her parents were and her brother were killed. She went from unhappy foster home to unhappy foster home. She it ma- troubles me. Married this monster, and then Mallory's reaction. And this is just to kind of put a pin on like Mallory being a Dingleberry. We're not just saying it. No, Mallory's reaction to this is, oh, but your books that I really like are about this like happy go lucky fun loving girl called Alice. And, and therefore, therefore, you must be a liar. You're a liar with your fucking yeah. fiction. Your fiction isn't real, so <laughs> you are a liar. And then and then she goes and confronts Henrietta, and she's like, hey, your fiction isn't real, you're a liar. Yeah. And Henrietta's like, look up the definition of fiction, you dingleberry. <laughs> and Mallory doesn't. She just, like, leaves. She's like, nah, fuck that liar. Yeah. So, the, carry on. I So, Henrietta Hayes is obviously a simulacra 
for Anne or Suzanne. No question. So it makes me wonder what happened to Anne. Right? Yes. Because like Henrietta Hayes is is her life is marred by tragedy. Like she has a young daughter who's like 18 when she's killed by a drunk driver. She marries this sort of sad sack writer man who they get like have a, like a bitter divorce. Yeah. Um before that she like bopped around the um foster family the scene. Foster, yeah, the foster care scene because her family were all tragically killed in a fire. When she was younger. And and to make this even more insane, like the snake eating its own tail here, this is a novel that is explicitly about how in order for fiction to be meaningful and good, especially children's fiction, we must put like the heart of our real ex- lived experience into it. Well, it makes me think like maybe Anne's been doing this this whole time. Like all these sad sack like men that we right. we get like Mr. Trout and um Mr. Prezioso and like all these all these sad sack men is that her is that Henrietta Hayes' ex-husband? Well, so Henrietta Hayes' ex-husband is a guy called G.N. Rogers, and he's also an author. Here's a, here's what Mal finds in her like hidden sheaf of articles in the uh, dark wing of the library that talks about G.N. Rogers. The articles I found made G.N. Rogers sound like a pretty unpleasant person. His books were described as dark and forbidding or as presenting a world of hopelessness. His photos showed a frowning man with deep, worried creases on his broad forehead. Do you think she's talking about... Could she be talking about Pete here? I don't think so, because I think Pete makes another appearance in this book. Oh, wow. Okay. Pete, new baby bees, is uh, sweet Pete Larangis, also uh, one of the league of extraordinary ghostwriters who help Anne to pen these novels. Hello, is Henrietta there? A man on the other end asked. No, um, this is uh, her assistant, her new assistant, Mallory. Can I take a message? Miss Hayes doesn't wish to be disturbed right now. Oh, right, I forgot, said the man. I usually get her answering machine at this time. Well... Tell Henrietta that George Delmore called, and I love her idea for an Anderson family reunion book. Tell her I want to talk to her as soon as possible. So there's this character called George Delmore who collaborates with Henrietta Hayes. Oh, wow. And when Henrietta Hayes expressed interest in bringing back the Anderson family, which is like her Henrietta Hayes' Babysitter's Club, Mm -hmm. George Delmore was very interested. And I figured George Delmore is either... Sweet Pete Larangis, or maybe Hodges Swallow. Wow. It's never stated what his role is. Maybe he's our editor. It's it's unclear. Yeah. I love the idea of it being Hodges. It might be Hodges. Henrietta Hayes gets her cover art painter involved like from step zero. You know, here's a fucking thought. When uh, there's a passage in this book when uh, Mallory goes to the library to talk to Mrs. Kishi. Mrs. Kishi says, oh, of course, I have files here on all the local book authors. And Mallory says, oh, are there a lot of like local authors here? That's awesome. I want to meet them all. And Mrs. Kishi says, yeah, there are a few. And I also have files on local children's book illustrators. She says that. That's what she says. I can find the passage. Oh, my God. I just found it. You found it? You got the it? author, her work is wonderful. She lives right here in Stony Brook, you know, said Mrs. Kishi. 
I know that, I replied excitedly. But how did you know that? Librarians have ways of finding these things out, Mrs. Kishi said, menacingly. I have files on all our local authors. (laughs) You mean there are others, I cried? A few. I think Henrietta Hayes is the only juvenile author, although there are a few picture book illustrators in town. Is this, Tanner, is this Anne saying to her ghostwriters and to Hodges? Like I've, it's a threat. I have files on you fuckers. Right, I got yeah, it's files. A you're in these books now. You're all in these books. And when you're in these books, which I control, when you're in this world that I am the primarch of, that I am the queen of, ooh, that scares me so much, Jack. Because I feel like we're in this world now. Oh shit. And what I said earlier about being spooked out about how prophetic we are, I wonder if that's Anne's way of telling us, like, you're getting too close. I've been signaling you two since the fucking beginning. Uh, I don't like this. I don't like it either, man. She sees everything, and she's got files on everyone. Fuck. And they're in that fucking library, God knows, like, and Mrs. Kishi is guarding it with a fucking smile. She's just sitting there. Like, yeah, I've got files on everybody. Yeah. Librarians have ways of finding things out. Ugh, fuck. Anne, 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 this is going too far. Her file on Jack Shepard, it says, like, born, 1979, start on Lost. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she went to Wikipedia and got confused. <laughs> All right, well, this is worrying. And then the other thing that is worrying, and and Baby Nation, we're not trying to get meta here for you. Anne got meta for us. This is a book that is is just, like, wheels within wheels within wheels. Anne is always five steps ahead, Baby um, Nation. The other thing that's terrifying, and we've touched on this a little bit, and it relates to a lot of what we're talking about. Henrietta, who is an avatar for Anne or Suzanne in this book. Her- Henrietta, who's an avatar for Suzanne, who is an avatar in turn for Anne. Right. Wheels within right. wheels. Henrietta's personal history. This is a quote from the book. Henrietta Hayes' personal history stands in stark contrast to the sunny optimism of her books. A foster child from the age of three when her parents and younger brother died tragically in a fire. We know how these books end. We know how these books end. (laughs) Is this – is the whole sitter's cycle just Anne – like trying to reenact, trying to like get closure on, trying to somehow inflict on someone else her own dark history? No, I think she, this is maybe a cry for help, man. She's she's calling out from behind the like veil of celebrity and fame, and she's saying, see me. Look at me. Witness me. Right. Here's another thing that Anne says that, that to me, in the context of what we know about these novels, is... Is just so fucking chilling, and also is maybe like Anne is like she's got like a Cassandra complex here. She's like desperate now for people to she, people are hearing her message, but they're not really hearing it. They're listening to her message, but they're not really hearing it. Um, here's what she's what Henrietta Hayes says to Mallory at the end of the book. In many ways, I think you're wrong, Mallory. You know a story doesn't have to be autobiographical. It's a story that you as an author make up. It can be the story of someone else's life or a story of your own fantasy. Yet here's where I think you're right. What you write should tell things that you honestly know to be true of the world. And I have tried to always do that in my books. What Henrietta is saying here, and please tell me if I'm wrong, is that when Anne writes about 
dolls and witches and bees and orbs. Right. She's she's speaking truth. An author should write about what she honestly knows to be true of the world, and I have always tried to do that in my books. I think she's sending us as clear a message as she can. I like Jack. <laughs> what she's like, what more can I do? I fucking put myself in this book. I put right. myself in this like, fucking book. We've been joking about this yeah. for 80 episodes, and she's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is a funny joke, but um, keep in mind that an author can only write about <laughs> what she she finds true in this world. Guys, Tanner, Jack, Baby Nation. How more explicit do I have to be? <laughs> Her Henrietta Hayes' life began in flame. Right? It began with fire. It began with fire. <laughs> and these books... Will end with fire. God, and it's also like Henrietta Hayes is like writing these books that are about like like they seem so happy. No, yeah, exactly. But there's something underneath, and Mal's like when Mal digs into it, that's when shit goes weird. There's a torment there. Ah, uh, that's a lot to unpack, Baby Nation. And this is a very special episode. And I'm sorry if you're afraid. Not not because it's not a very special book. No, Suzanne didn't write a very special book, but she. But this is a very special episode. It's a very special episode. Um, I feel like- I have to go grab a beer very quickly, mm-hmm. and by grab a beer I mean pee because I have to pee so bad. Okay, fine. Um, let's uh, let's do that. Hey, spoilers for the Dark Tower coming. If you've read the Dark Tower at some point around book s- five to six of the Dark Tower. Stephen King just goes ahead and puts himself in it. Yeah, he puts himself in it. <laughs> As author Stephen King of the Dark Tower novels. That's what this book is. Cool. You guess where Stephen King got that? Yeah. He got it from Mallory Pike, number one fan, written in 1994. <laughs> Jack. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. Um, so I read this book uh, mostly today. I woke up early today and started reading and read it on the train right in and read it on the way home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just curious if you had a... Yeah, I got one. Yeah. It was a pretty burn-light book in some ways. It was not. It was a burn-heavy book. The entire entire comedy of errors known as My Early Life. Yeah. A play by Mallory Pike. So that to me, and that's what I was getting to, and I kind of think maybe we should just uh we should just talk about it together. Mallory's play entitled My Early Life was Jesus Christ, Mallory, the fucking hubris of that. <laughs> <laughs> this entire book is Mallory's hubris. We can't <laughs> It would be exhausting to try to critique her hubris. The entire first draft of her play, God, it's so good. Is is to me the this week's very clear burn of the week. Yeah. Do you just want to read the whole thing? I kind of. I I'm not sure. Just read it. Just read the whole thing. Just read the whole play. It's right. so good. <laughs> here is the here is the first draft of Mallory's play, and uh, Tanner, maybe you can talk about the aftermath and what the, the Pike family does. <laughs> Yeah, I will because that's like the the first draft is a good burn. Yeah, but there are some like excellent burns exchanged in the aftermath as well. 
Yeah. So you can take the play as your burn, and I'll cover the aftermath as my burn. All right, cool. Um, all right, I'm going to read this play that Mallory wrote, um, and I don't know if you want to if you want to um, swell up some some beautiful music. Yeah, I'm working on it now. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Yep. It's playing. Oh, okay. Valerie Spike sits at her writing table and looks out her window longingly. Valerie. Oh, how I wish I could write something truly great. Something that would change the world and make people happy. Especially children. Enter Ronessa. Klutzy Ronessa trips over a chair as she enters. Ronessa. Ouch! Ow! Who put that chair there? Valerie. Kindly. Why, it's always been there, Ronessa. Renessa, with envy in her voice. It's no fair, Valerie. In this family, you got the looks, the brains, and the talent. It's just not fair. Valerie, sighing. There's one thing I don't have. Privacy. How can I ever hope to be a great writer in this family? Every two seconds, there's another interruption. Enter Ricky with a bucket stuck on his head. Ricky. (laughs) Help! Help! I'm stuck! Renessa tries to help him, but she falls over the chair again and knocks him down. They both roll on the ground. Margarita enters, twirling a skippet over her head. Margarita. Yippee-ki-yay! I can't skip over this, but I sure am going to use it for something. It's a great lasso. As Ricky gets up with the bucket still on his head, Margarita's skippet bangs into the bucket with a loud clang. Ricky falls down again. Mrs. Spike enters. Mrs. Spike. Valerie, dear, I want you to babysit for your brothers and sisters and scrub the floors and take out the garbage. Could you also patch that hole in the living room wall? Okay, dear? Valerie. All right, mother dear. With all these children, I know you need the help. Valerie gets up from her desk and pulls the bucket off of Ricky's head. Sighs deeply. Valerie. (sighs) My family needs me desperately, so the world will have to wait to read the stories which I hope someday to write. And then she's like, can't understand why the entire Pike family is totally pissed off at her. <laughs> like, Nikki comes out like, duh, like bucket stuck on his head. She's like, Nikki, why are you mad? It's also like, Mal, you're a fucking writer. Like, writing 101 is like, figure out like how to mask your characters. Don't call the Vanessa character <laughs> Renessa. Well, so that's, that's, that's Mrs. Pike's. Yeah. Criticism. Let me read the part where Mrs. Pike's like, like, so the the Pike kids all like lose their minds about this, and they're all super pissed off. And Mallory's like, I don't get it. What are you pissed off about? This is true. This is real. This is raw. And Mrs. Pike's like, Okay, I'll read it, and I'll see if it's bad. Her one piece of feedback. (laughs) What are spikes? Mom asked, reading the note over my shoulder. That's the name of the family in the play. Oh, Mal. Could you have picked a better name, Mom asked? It rhymes. How about likes or tykes? Dumb, I commented. (laughs) You know what I thought when I read that passage? I read that in your voice. (laughs) No, that's fair. Because that's exactly what you say when I like go out on a limb on a dumb bit. Dumb. Dumb. But that wasn't the only feedback she got. She yeah. also got this. <laughs> Nikki Pike, who is represented in the play as what? Ricky. What's his name? Ricky. Yeah. Ricky Spike. Yeah. 
As the stage behind me thundered with the sound of jumping, I stared into the glaring eyes of my brothers and sisters. I can make little changes, I told them. I'm still making small corrections here and there. I can't change you guys altogether, your characters, I mean. Otherwise, it wouldn't be coming from true experience. An author's work must be autobiographical. That bucket thing isn't true, Nikki <laughs> argued. No, but you're always getting stuck in stuff. <laughs> you got your head stuck in a banister once, and you got stuck in the clothes hamper. Do you remember that? I shot back. But not a bucket, <laughs> said Nikki, folding his arms stubbornly. Um, and then they fucking, like, badasses, they all picket the play. Right. <laughs> well, they, like, picket... Because the, they don't get a chance to picket the play, but they're, like, so amped up on picketing yeah, that they just picket the, like, Pike household. Yeah. <laughs> Holdering like, signs the that Pike... are, like, fake news Mallory. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Until the Pike parents, like, make them come inside, and then they just picket Mallory's room. <laughs> um, good family. Good burns. Good family, the Spikes. They're all very good burns. The 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 whole my early life play is is a very good one long good burn. Yeah. Until Mrs. Pike D sees a dress rehearsal and says that it's insulting and makes Mallory revise it. Yeah. And then it becomes a very bad boring play. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's interesting and I wonder if this is a point that Anne is making. The moral of the story is that Mal writes a really bad rewrite that's, like, not fun at all, where it's, like, the family is shown both the the dark sides of their characters and the light sides of their characters, and, like, their bad traits are softened, and they just, like, like nothing happens. You read the good, fun version of the play. May I read an excerpt of the bad, boring version yeah, of the play? Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, taking a deep breath, Haley stepped onto the stage. Hi, Valerie, she said. Are you writing again? Yes, I just started. I don't want to interrupt you, but I was hoping for your opinion on my latest poem. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> I put one of Vanessa's real poems in here. A nice one. Haley read it. That's terrific, <laughs> said Danielle. Thanks, said Haley. Jesse gave Tony a gentle push onto the stage after he missed the cue. And keep in mind, this is the bucket scene. Yeah. Hi, you guys. Has anyone seen Zhao's leash? I'd given Pow a fictionalized name, even though he was the only member of the family who hadn't bothered me about his character. All right, passive-aggressive Mallory. I think it's in your room, said Danielle. No, it's in the front hall closet, said Haley. Thanks, Mallory. Thanks, <laughs> Vanessa, Tony said, leaving. Um, I mean Valerie and Vanessa. No, Jill. Thanks, Jill and Mallory. I mean Valerie. <laughs> so what is Anne saying here? Is she, is that's this the same like... scene. That's the same scene Jack just read, Baby Nation? Yeah. Except that's, that's the, the revision, and that's and and we're all supposed to celebrate it, like right. M- Mrs. Pike celebrates it as like much better. Is this just like have we been like looking too deep? Is this just Anne being like, "Fuck you, copy editors. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Scholastic. Fuck you, Scholastic lawyers. You shits." Like Anne hands in these like fucking the crazy are all books. Very edgy. Yeah, like she hands in this shit that's just like dolls take over part two. And the scholastic lawyers are like, how about, like, Dawn on the coast? Uh, Janine and her boyfriend bunker down in the Stony Brook Library and create a flesh temple, sending out (laughs) golems of flesh to do war on the... Uh, They're just like, oh, no, what if they just go make out? Yeah. (laughs) All right, Anne, we hear you. This this book is a cry for help. 
I that's what I've been saying this whole time, man. I think like she's trying to get our attention. She this book is literally about like, hey, if you are a fan of a children's book author, what you must do is go to their house, knock on their door, and rescue them from themselves. Right. I feel like maybe that's a little bit what we're doing here, though. Yeah. We're not going to her house, but we're reaching her. Right. And? And I would never go to your house. I, I would never go to your house. I know that you're a private person. Yeah. And we will never come to you, but we hope that this is reaching you. We hear you. We hear you, Anne. We're listening. And as we've said before, if you want to send us more messages, that's... Even more directly. Yeah. Please, please, please do. Right. Well, Tanner. Well, Jack. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get the fuck out of here? So I want to talk about something. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite know how to introduce this, which is always the best way to introduce something. Mm-hmm. Classic. But I think the way we introduce it is by me asking you if you have any thoughts about this week's <gasps> Great American, American novel, novel of the, the Week. week. Yeah. Uh, this week. The kids nodded and began reading. Haley giggled from time to time, but Becca frowned deeply. Is Renessa supposed to be Vanessa? She finally asked. I just changed the character's name, I said, avoiding the question. From now on, she's named Jill. <laughs> Renessa was a little too close to Vanessa. It's Vanessa, Haley said knowingly to Becca. Is this play about your family? Stacy asked me. Well, yes, I admitted. All great literature is basically autobiographical. Stacy wrinkled her nose thoughtfully. Are you sure? What about, say, Peter Pan? <laughs> J.M. Barry isn't considered one of the world's great writers, I replied. Oh, well, what about Stuart Little or Charlotte's Webb, Stacy continued. Okay, those are fantasies, I said. It's hard to tell what parts of E.B. White's life are those, but I bet if I knew more about his life, I could find things that were the same. After all, Stuart Little lives in an apartment in Manhattan. I know, Stacy said, a fond look coming into her blue eyes. That's one of the things I've always loved best about his books. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Stacy. Fucking Stacy. E.B. White is like one of our like national treasures. Which is why I wanted to introduce this as Great American Novel. Yeah. <laughs> is it fucking national treasure? Uh, well, I want to talk about J.M. Barry too, who I, I believe is British. Scottish, yeah. Scottish. But I, I just the only thing I have to say about this particular passage is that E.B. White is a national treasure, author of Elements of Style, Charlotte's Web, and other great, great books. And, and like, amazing, his letters are amazing, his essays are amazing, and Stacy's fucking favorite thing about him <laughs> oh yes he's from new york <laughs> he's from, did you know he's from new york it's my fucking favorite thing stacy stacy and also sorry jm barry because apparently you're not you're not a literary great yeah apparently not to mallory pike it's a weirdly strong opinion that mallory has for a for an 11 year old yeah. to have already formed like a pretty clear opinion that like J.M. Barry, Scottish novelist and playwright, is not one of the greats. Like, doesn't right. <laughs> deserve to be like in the. Canon. But Henrietta Hayes is. Oh, Henrietta Hayes, no question. <laughs> Maybe this is Anne signaling to us again. Tanner, Tanner, tell me, how would you describe the play that J.M. Barry is most famous for? I would describe Peter Pan as a book about a young boy who. Cannot and will not grow up. <laughs> right? Leading a band of boys who cannot and will not grow up. It's about a boy Inviting who never grows up. Inviting a number up. of children 
Yeah. Into a fantasy world <laughs> where time has frozen and they cannot and will not grow up. Oh, Anne. Anne. And it's, again, it's her oh, just Anne, he's not herself. one of the greats, huh? <laughs> Classic. And she's presenting J.M. Barry here as like, look, if you love Peter Pan, right? Yeah. See? What's wrong with not allowing these kids to grow up and have experience? Right. It's fine. <sighs> Anne. Sue's Anne. Sue's Anne. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. I was like, nose, huh? why did you bring up J.M. Barry? <laughs> <laughs> Anne doesn't bring up an author or a work unless it's significant. Uh, oh, a- Mallory, Mallory brings up um, a favorite segment of ours. Oh, really? I'll read the passage and then introduce the segment. How about that? Oh. Mallory's talking about her favorite book, which is one of the Alice Anderson books written by Henrietta Hayes. In the end, Evan was all right, and the family sat around the big dinner table laughing and having a good time. Maybe tears filled my eyes because the book was over. I hate when a good book ends. No, Mallory, tears filled your eyes because you're describing a... <gasps> Tearful moment. You really don't want me to say it along with you, do you? No, it gets more colorful every week. Um, I had several. I don't know about you. You're heartless, so maybe you didn't have any. There were a few times where I teared up, but it was all just around the suffering of Henrietta Haight. Uh, I don't have a specific passage. Oh, you're such a fucking monster, man. The last chapter of this book, I was just weeping. Okay, well, let's hear your let's hear your tearful moment. Mallory puts on her play, and Henrietta Hayes shows up. All of Stony Brook shows up. Everyone's here to see Mallory's play. Right. It's beautiful, Jack. Okay. It goes off without a hitch. The girl who has leukemia, I don't remember her name. Danielle. Danielle, she performs flawlessly as Valerie Spike. Or, sorry, Valerie Turnpike. Yeah. Danielle's back, baby nation. She's back. She's still ill. Yeah. The leukemia has has come back. Mm -hmm. But she's the lead of this play, and she plays Valerie Turnpike, the updated character based on the the character Valerie Spike, Mm -hmm. based on the real-life person, Mallory Pike. Based on the real-life person, Suzanne Wayne, based on the real life also person, Anna Martin. Anna Martin, right. Uh-huh. Standing by the door, I noticed Miss Hayes. She still held the rose I'd given her. I'll be right back, I told my family. I am so proud of you, Mallory, Mrs. Hayes said when I joined her. That was a terrific play. It went through a few rewrites, I admitted. Most good work does, Mrs. Hayes said. She fished in her large black shoulder bag and pulled out a stack of papers held together with a red rubber band. Here's an outline, for example, which went through several revisions. She handed it to me. This is the outline of the first three chapters of The Anderson Family Reunion. Look at the acknowledgments page. I thumbed through to the 11th page. When I read it, I looked up, wide-eyed with amazement. Mrs. Hayes, I gasped. You put my name in this. It said, The author thanks Mallory Pike for suggesting the idea for this book and for her valuable input. Beautiful. Beautiful. And Anne, when you're ready to thank these two podcasters, 
for their valuable input. Just a couple lowly waniacs. Just reach out, Anne. Anne, reach out. It's a beautiful novel. It's a beautiful novel. It's about the the difficulty and the pain and the suffering that is involved in the act of creation. Everybody thinks it's good. It's great to be a famous children's book author, but it's right. not. It's painful. It's lonely. Right. Everyone thinks it's great to be a, a fun, rad podcaster, but it's not. It's hard. Baby Nation. Yeah. It's hard. Once a week, you have to read a children's book and then get on the phone with your best friend <laughs> and have fun. You just got to fucking... Yeah. Oh, it's a fucking nightmare. And we feel your pain. <laughs> we feel your pain. Um, Jack, let's say you and I get the fuck out of here. I would love for that. Let's do it. Baby Nation. Baby Nation. Thank you very much for listening to our humble podcast. Yep, I've been Tanner Greenring. Thank you also to everybody who has taken the time to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Except for... Except that one guy. Did you read it? No, not yet. And don't, I won't. don't, don't. Except for the one guy who gave us a one star review. You know who you are. Fuck you. Go to hell. <laughs> Baby Nation, this week we read a book that was called Mallory Pike Number One Fan, uh, which resonated deeply with both of us as we are both number one fans of the great Suzanne Wayne. I'm a Waniac. I'm a Suzanne man. <laughs> Next week, Tanner, I've got good news for you. We're going to be reading a book called Christy and Mr. Mom. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> sounds she watches great. the movie. She watches the movie Mr. Mom. I think that could be only starring Michael Keaton. Uh, who fucking knows? Uh, I think Should it's I about. It? <gasps> no, 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 no. Do 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 Tanner Googles. Do 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 No, we're just getting out of here. Do Tanner Googles. Michael Keaton. Oh, God. During the 1980 recession, automobile engineer Jack Michael Keaton is fired from his job when his wife, Carolyn Terry Gar, finds a job before he does. They switch roles, placing him in the unfamiliar position of homemaker and caretaker to their three children sounds a little sexist (laughs) (laughs) baby nation this week i have been jack shepherd and i've been tanner greenring this week thank you wait wait oh shit (laughs) that was amazing stop stop stop. delete it delete it delete it (laughs) i'm tanner greenring claudia is wearing a bra now the way she talks you would think that boys had just been invented <laughs> that was amazing. Delete that. <laughs> delete it. You have to delete it. <laughs> Ooh, thank you. That was a headgum podcast.